Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go. We'll be in John chapter 21 in the Passion Translation. John chapter 21. John chapter 21. While you're turning there, if not, we'll put it on the screen. But just to recap, last week we talked about how our new reality is, is, is restored union in the fellowship of the Trinity. Last week we said that we have been restored into union with God the Father, Son, and Spirit. And then also we said last week that in Jesus' physical abnets, absence, excuse me, in Jesus' physical absence, we are to cling to Jesus like a bride clinging to the groom. We said it last week, you know, uh, just I know we're getting ready to read something else. But literally when Mary began to clean Jesus, he said, don't woman, don't don't clean to me. I haven't ascended to my father. In a sense, he was saying, hey, what you're doing right now, save it, because when you really need to clean to me is when I'm not here. And Jesus was really peering into the future. He was Marty met flying into the future and telling us that would read it. He was saying, this is the best of it. This is the Lindsay Mill translation. You get it. You get it. It's, it's not available online. It's right here, flesh and blood. But literally, he's peering into the future and telling us, hey, for you that cannot physically see me, you have, I need you to cling to me. Cling to me with all that you have. Cling to me. Let that firm grip that you have on my promises, that firm grip that you have on every word that I've spoken out of, let that firm grip, let it be strong, let it be tight. Amen? Amen. John chapter 21. I'm going to start with verse 1. It's in the Passion Translation. <clears throat> Get something to drink real quick. We'll read verses 1 through 3. It literally says, Later, Jesus appeared once again to a group of his disciples by Lake Galilee. It happened one day while Peter, Thomas, the twin, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, Jacob, John, and two other disciples were all together. Peter told them, I'm going fishing. And they all replied, well... Or they all replied, I felt like, Kenan, we'll go with you. So they went out and fished through the night, but caught nothing. Now, doesn't this sequence of events sound familiar? If you grew up in church or if you've ever read the Bible, literally, these disciples, they went fishing all night, all night, and caught nothing. Somebody say nothing. So before we really get into the text, why is Peter fishing? So if you don't understand what's going on in the story, this is, this is right after Jesus has risen from the dead. Now, before Jesus rose from the dead, before he died, he, he told Peter, hey, you know, because Peter's like, Lord, I will be with you. I will, I'm your ride or die. I'm your A1, day one. Ain't nobody coming in between me and you. I'm the peanut butter. Are you the peanut butter? I'm the jelly, Lord. Like, we together in this God. And Jesus is like, Peter, no. <laughs> you ain't talking to me <laughs> must be a different Jesus but Peter said no because there's going to come a time where you will deny me not once not twice but three times you will deny that you ever knew me that you ever had fellowship with me and Peter said no that's not going to happen long story short Peter ended up doing that he denied Jesus three times just like Jesus said so therefore, Jesus said he died, he rose from the grave. He had seen the disciples once or twice in this, in this matter, but he hadn't addressed the Peter issue. He hadn't addressed the Peter issue. So each time that Peter sees Jesus, you know, you ever been in the room with somebody and it's, it's kind of awkward? You're like, ah, should I, should I, should I? And you, yeah, that, that's, what's, that's what's going on with Peter. 
And to the point that Peter is literally wrestling with the mistake that he's made. He's wrestling with all this to the point that now he's like, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to go fishing. And shout out to the disciples. Shout out to the other, the other brothers because they're like, well, we're going to go fishing with you. Now, if you're like, if you're wondering, well, Lindsay, what's the big focus on the fishing part? Well, understand this. Peter, he didn't know what to do. He was wrestling with his thoughts. He was wrestling with uh, grief. He was wrestling with anger. He was wrestling with regret on a subconscious level that he decided to go back and do what he used to do. He decided to go back and occupy the space that he used to occupy before he met Jesus. He decided to go do the physical activity that he did before he met Jesus. Now, shout out to the disciples. We could break this down, but I want to I give a, a nice uh, give flowers to the disciples because they recognize what's going on. They're like, Peter, we, we know what you're wrestling with. We are not going to let you be alone. We're not going to let you be alone. See, if, if, you're, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, you need to make sure that you have some friends. It don't have to be 12. It don't have to be 15. It could be one, two, or three, or however many. But you need to make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people that will keep you accountable. Not people that will always tell you yes, but people that will keep you accountable when they recognize, hey, in this moment, you don't need to be alone. You don't need to be by yourself. You, you need, okay, we're going to go with you. We're going to go to Walmart with you. We're going to go to the store with you. We're going to go to the gas. Just to make sure. Just to make sure. You know, um, I was thinking about this part of the story yesterday when I was working because on my route, there's this one house. <laughs> there's always one house, but there's this one house. They have, they, it's, it's, it's not a, an exaggeration, they have umpteenth amount of dogs. Umpteenth amount, umpteenth <laughs> amount of dogs. It is crazy. And these dogs aren't like little cute, like, oh, Mr. Postman. It's not like, you know, a little yippy dog. You know, and then when you get out, you know. It's these, you know, it's the kind where like literally in their, in my case where their house is, I have an orange thing that says, you know, that, and it's not me, but the person I so forth, she has an orange thing that lets everybody know, hey, if you're, if you deliver to this house, do not get out because they have, uh, they have violent animals. We have those flyers and stickers. And uh, so like anytime I get a package for them, I always pray, Lord, please let this fit in the mailbox because I do not want to get out. Do not go out. They have a gate, but sometimes they like to leave it open. I don't know why. They might think it's fun. It's not. <laughs> so yesterday, yesterday they had a package, but the gate was closed and the Lord is on my side because it fit in the box. And I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. There is this one. And, you know, most of the time they're always you can you can see the drool coming out and all this stuff look like they're foaming out the mouth. And anytime, uh, except for yesterday, anytime I would uh, put the package in the mailbox and I get ready to drive off. There's this one dog who he literally he it's like he can anticipate right when I'm about to hit the pedal. And then he runs off. He runs around the house, runs the fence line all the way until the fence line stops. The fence line's right by the road, stops. And then there's this big wooden stake. And, uh, and as soon as he gets through it, he just gnaws it with his magic. And, and there's been times I've driven slow enough, you can see the teeth marks. And I'm like, good, 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 good. Lord, if there were on a fence line, my, he'd probably chew my tire up. So, you know, and then eventually when I got confident on my route, then I'm like, you ready? You ready? When I take off and here he goes running and bites the fence post. And, you know, all the other dogs are barking and stuff like that. And then yesterday, yesterday come, I put the package in, da, 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 and I get ready to go and he doesn't run off. He just stares at me. Now, when I pulled up, he wasn't saying a sink. He wasn't barking or anything. There was no other dogs. It was just that one, that one angry dog that I've always thought of. And he just stares at me. He's calm. 
his tail is just wagging like a happy dog and all this other stuff. I'm like, Lord, what is, what is up with this? I was like, if, any, if, if I ever thought a dog would bother me, it was going to be this one right here. Lord, what is going on? And he's like, where's the other dogs that are with him? I'm like, oh, snap. Lord, where are the other dogs that are with him? He, don't, he doesn't have the other ones antagonizing him, barking, getting him excited, getting the blood pressure, getting all this other stuff, encouraging him to wild out. <laughs> he is by himself, and when he's by himself, when, he, when he's not surrounded by these, these other type of canines, he's good. So let me know that, wow, even, even in the canine world, they had to be surrounded by the right dogs. Even as disciples, even as Jesus followers, the disciples recognized, Peter, you need to be surrounded by the right type of people. You don't need to be by yourself. There's times, understand this, there are times when we need to be by ourselves, and then there's times where you need to be surrounded by some people that are going to keep you accountable. Amen? Amen. And the disciples recognized, Peter, you're going fishing? Okay, we're going to go fish with you. And the scripture literally said that they fished all night and caught nothing. But understand this, Peter, he's coping with breaking his promise to Jesus three times. He's coping with that. How does he decide to cope with it? He decides to cope with it by fishing, a.k.a. physical work, <laughs> a.k.a. something that he can, he can do with his hands, a.k.a. something that he can do with his eyes closed, a.k.a. something that he has full, of conf- full confidence in his flesh. See, the best way to describe confidence is something you can do with your eyes closed. You know, so Peter is full. He's fully confident that he could go fishing. Why? Because he knows I could do this with my eyes closed. The problem is the way he's going about and the reason that he's going about it is the wrong is the wrong way. It's the it's the wrong reason. He decided to go fishing. Why? Because he can't deal with the regret that he's or the mistake that he made. So instead of running to Jesus, he decides to bury himself into physical activity. Sound familiar? Mm. We thought we were the only ones that did that. But literally, he's running to physical activity. Now, I'm not saying that fishing is bad. If you like fishing, good job. But I'm, I'm not saying that bad. But I'm saying when we, when, we, when, we have, when we find ourselves dealing with grief, when we find ourselves dealing with regret, find ourselves dealing with anger, bitterness, loneliness, whatever, the, the, the problem isn't uh, encountering those things. The problem is how are we going to work through those things? You know, this isn't in the notes, but I remember... When I was in Bible college, we had the speaker come, and she used to get on my nerves, ever-loving fleshly nerves. She would always get on it because she was always so right, and I didn't like it, you know. And uh, I remember one time she said, you know, she said, Lindsay, the devil will always come in, in a, when you're in a halt position. Somebody say halt. Halt. Kelsey might remember this. Halt. Halt is the acronym. It means hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Anytime the devil loves to come into your life, it's going to be one of those moments. It's going to be one of those whether you're hungry when, that's why we get hangry. Whether you're angry, you're lonely, or you're tired, that's when we see the devil. And it's never a big flash of neon sign where the devil's like, here I am, devil. Horns on his head, tail, here I am, the devil, look at me, I'm the devil. No. It's always, it's always slick. It's always, it's always slick and smooth whispers. It's smooth thoughts. It's, well, if you were really like God, then you could have ate that, that tree. Just go eat it. If, if God really loved you, he would have provided now. Just go, just go get that loan. If, if God really loved you, he would have already given you somebody in your life. You know, just go ahead and create an account on this app. If God really loved you, if God, if, 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 if God, if God, if God, if God. It's always those, it's always those innocent feeling like, but it's not. 
And what Peter is wrestling with, he's wrestling with regret, and he decides to cope with that regret by doing by burying himself in physical activity. Now, in verse 4 and 5 in the Passion Translation, <clears throat> Larry says this. Then at dawn, so they just got done, they were fishing, caught nothing all night. Then at dawn, Jesus was standing there on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize that it was him. Oh, you're good. Watch this. He called out to them saying, hey, guys, did you catch any fish? Not a thing, they replied. And then verse six, Jesus shouted to them, throw your net over the starboard side and you'll catch some. And so they did, as he said, and they caught so many fish that they couldn't even pull the net. Does this sound familiar? Yeah. For, for those, this is the way that they were introduced to the disciples. Or this is the way that the disciples were introduced to Jesus. But I love this because, you know, it's so obvious, but the fact that they didn't catch anything before Jesus came, and then they caught something after he came, it was a clear sign to them and it's a clear sign to us that John 15, 5 holds true. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to tell you it. But John 15, 5, Jesus says something very powerful and very simple. He says, at the end of the day, apart from me, you can do nothing. Somebody say nothing. nothing. Well, Lindsay, he was just talking about, you know, in ministry. No, 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 no. Jesus said that I'm the vine, we are the branches. You know, you never see some grapes, anybody like grapes? You never see grapes growing apart from the vine. I love Granny Smith apples. Granny Smith apples are my favorite type of apple. You never see a Granny Smith apple growing outside of the apple tree. I remember when I was a kid, there was one summer where I got to spend a little time with um, my grandma Rosie, and she used to have an apple tree outside of her yard. I remember, uh, I, I remember one time me and I, I think it was me and Jarvis and maybe one other, some, one other cousin, another cousin. I remember we went out and picked some apples and we didn't tell her. We went and grabbed it and watched it real quick. And we were sitting there eating and watching uh, 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 The Price is Right, watching The Price is Right while eating some apples. And she come in, she's like, where'd you get them apples? And I'm like, <laughs> outside. <laughs> So uh, her sweet self, she went and got one, washed it, and all of us are just watching the price of our eating apples. You know, but we were able to enjoy that apple because of the tree. We, didn't, we couldn't enjoy that apple because it just randomly popped out of thin air. and Like, oh, there's an apple. No, like the apple was because of the tree. We are, we are the branches, and we are attached to the vine. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Literally, these guys were fishing. You know, fish, fish that, that's, that's, not leading, that's not leading people into worship. That's not praying. That's not preaching a five-point sermon. No, they're fishing. They're catching fish, and they couldn't do that apart from Jesus. So, one, Jesus is clearly reminding them, hey, you still need me even to fish. Not because, not because God the Father, Spirit, and the Son are like, you know, they're so prideful and they're so petty that they're like, oh, you know, what do you desire? Well, we're going to make sure you can't do it without us. No, 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 because we said it that we were created from them and we were created to be like them we're we're based off in their fellowship we are created in their fellowship so therefore it's like it's like a missing link it's like it's like taking a tire off a car a car needs four tires to go a car was created to have four tires in order for it to roll on a on a surface you were created to flow you were created to live you were created to function you were created to breathe with god like being in him Acts chapter 17, verse 28 says that we live. Somebody, somebody say live. live. We live, we move, we have our being, our existence is in Jesus. Amen? So if we're in Jesus, then that means apart from him, we can't do anything. 
That means we need him to function. We need him to be the best type of parents. We need him to be the best type of uh, uh, spouse, or we need him to be the best kind of employee, the best kind of employer. We need him. Amen. <clears throat> so the fact that Jesus is showing up in this moment, it leads us to believe that not only does the Trinity care about the issues of our heart, but also, also God, the Father, Son, and Spirit, they care about how we choose to work through our issues. The Lord cares how you and I choose to work through our issues. He doesn't just care the fact that we have them. The Bible says that out of our heart flows the issues of life. So God is very aware that we all have our things going on, but he's also, what he's more concerned about is how are you going to work through them? How are you going to work through them? If you've ever uh, traveled and you put an address in, a, in your GPS on your phone, you know, sometimes it'll give you multiple options. If you're like me, you always select the fastest one. I always would select fastest route because I don't, anybody got time to just, you know, do the scenic route. I don't want to do the scenic route. That's, anybody got time for that? If I want to do scenic route, I watch a video that had all these kind of little cool scenes. Otherwise, let's just get me there. Point A to point B. Point A to point B. But ultimately, when it comes to Jesus and when it comes to when it comes to coping with him and when it comes or not coping with him, but when it comes to him caring about our issues, he's more concerned about how we're going to work through them. He's not concerned about, okay, is this going to be the fastest method? Is this going to be the quickest method? Is this going to be the method uh, that avoids the, the pitfalls? Is this going to be the route that? No, no, no. He's concerned about how are you going to work through? How are we going to work through the different things that we wrestle with? Amen. The fact that Jesus shows up in the middle of Peter deconstructing and having his having his moments of regret, having his moments of anger, having his moments of loneliness, it points us back to the invitation that he gives us in Matthew chapter 11. There's an invitation that Jesus gives you and I in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. We've heard it, but you don't mind. I'm, I'm going to pull it up. I'm going to have Kelsey pull up on the screen because I want us to see it. It's in the Passion Translation. But understand this while she's getting that Peter is in the middle. He's he's fishing, not because he wants to fish. He's fishing because he's coping with his regret. Jesus gives us in this invitation in Matthew, chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. He says, are you weary carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. I will refresh your life for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle. Humble and easy to please. Hey, I like that. There's not too many guarantees you get in life that says, I'm easy to please. Anybody else know a guarantee in life that says, I'm easy to please? If you do, please let me know. But Jesus says, link up with me because I'm easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. <clears throat> the last verse, verse 30. Jesus said, for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. All that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. So the fact that Jesus is showing up in the midst of Peter literally spiraling and, and decided to, to bury himself in physical activity. Oh, here's Jesus. Not only is here Jesus, but here's Jesus blessing with fish. Why does he do that? Because he's all about an easy, a easy yoke, a light yoke. One of the translations says, my, my yoke is easy and light. Another translation, the message translation literally says, come, come be a part of me and learn from me. Watch me, learn how I work. Many theologians and scholars believe that this is the same invitation that Jesus gives in Exodus chapter 33, verse 14, when he gives it to Moses. When the Lord gives it to Moses saying, hey, just let me take over and rest in me. 
That's why we said in worship, hey, just right here, just, just camp out right here. Just, just sit in the presence. Why? Because this is what he's wanting to do in your life. And not just in service. This is what he's wanting to do when you're at work. You know, for those that teach those crazy kids that just make you want to pull your hair out, but you pay too much for the hair, so you don't want to pull it out. <laughs> this, this is what he wants to give you. And for those that are going back to school and you don't know how you're going to make it, this, this is what he wants to give you, that, that promise of rest. That promise of, hey, uh, if you link up with me, I know you're going to have to go through things, but I'll try to make sure that it's easy and you're able to bear it. Why? Because you're not just going to be accompanying me. I'm not just going to be accompanying you. I'm not just going to be God with you. I'm going to be God in you. Why? Because I've brought you back into the union with me. I brought you back into the fellowship with me. See, one of the cool things about my job is I am a union member. <clears throat> Never been a union member in any part of any other job I've been in, but my job, I'm a union member. I'm baked into the union. So what's cool about this is, you know, I have somebody that literally their paid job is they know they know my employee number. They know who George Lindsay Mount Jr. is employee number won't give it out. But they know who that person is. They see my face and their and their job is to advocate for me. So, like, you know, if I would have got bitten by that dog, you know, you know, all I had to do, even though the post office gives me a little dog spray and they say, you know, spray the dog. All I have to do is call on my union rep, give them the date and time what happened. And here's what they would say. OK, we'll take care of it. And literally they, they type up a grievance and they file it. Why? Because it's their job to represent me. It's their job to represent me solely. They are invested in my benefit. They are solely invested in my success. They're solely they to say, okay, well, what does it take for you to succeed in the job? Do you need more of this? You need more of that? You need more pay for the gas? Okay, well, let's let's meet, uh, get together and we'll meet with the bosses and we'll raise the the wage for uh, for your mileage. And that's what they do. I get a I get a newsletter and a letter every month that says that they've met and the wage has gone up or the wage has gone down based off the gas. Literally, they are solely invested in me. Why? Because I'm in the union. We are in union with God. You're not just an absent member where God's like, oh, there's, oh, there's Ashley, there's, a there's Ashley, there's Granny. Oh, yeah, they're, they're part of it, but we're still going to be doing our own thing. No, no, no. <laughs> Whatever God is doing, you get to be a part of it. And he desires it. Why? Because he loves us that much. He loves us that much. He is solely invested in you succeeding in life. And I know, and I know that's, that's very shaky to say because we live in a world where church is so much is split into so many denominations and so many preach that God is, God is a self-help God. But I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is God is solely invested in making sure that you succeed and not fail. Why? Because he sent his son to the cross. He sent his son to the belly of the earth so you wouldn't have to go. He sent his son into the midst of our darkness so we can walk in the light. He sent his son in the midst to, to bear our, our iniquities on his back, to bear our sins on his back, to take the crown of thorns on his head so we wouldn't be crushed. So we, would look, we wouldn't have to look down on ourselves, but we can look in the mirror and say, that right there is a child of God. That right there is a son of God. That right there is a daughter of God. That is somebody that's been redeemed by heaven. That's somebody that walks in the ordination of heaven. That is somebody that is not forgotten, but loved that is somebody that has all of heaven backing him up all of heaven backing her up why because they are in the union with the father son and spirit that's you and that's what he promises every day ah, 
Every day, no parameters. It doesn't take a day off. It, 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 it's not like Christmas or it's not like Fourth of July where God's like, hey, hey, just give us a break on the mercy. Get, uh, we got we to gotta, we gotta conjure up this grace again. Just give us a break. You know, don't do anything crazy. Grace will be ready tomorrow. OK, just give us a break. To, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. The love doesn't stop. The faithfulness doesn't stop. The protection doesn't stop. And that's why Jesus showed up in this moment because he said, Peter, I see what you're wrestling with and I'm here. I've already done. I've, I've already went way past the notes. But understand this. Literally, he says, Peter. In fact, he doesn't even say Peter. But listen, Jesus is so smooth. He is the smooth. He's smoother than the smoothest criminal, a.k.a. Michael Jackson. <laughs> The scriptures said they didn't even know Je it was Jesus. Jesus could have been like, dun, 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 dun. I'm Jesus. Instead, he's like, hey, hey, fellas. He's probably like talking to the father and spirit. <laughs> Watch this. We're going to get him again. Hey, fellas, <laughs> throw your nets on the other side. <laughs> they ain't even recognized. <laughs> we did it before. Watch it. Watch this, everybody. Throw your nets on the other side. He probably just sat back. If I was Jesus, I would have been like, yo, yo, yo. I would have been cool with it. Sit on the beach, you know. Got a little good little fire. Hey, uh. Y'all, Doug, and that's on the other side. <laughs> oh, it worked, huh? But who am I? Jesus, is that you? I am he. Are the fish kissing your feet? Might as well. Is that you walking on water? <laughs> Watch me do it again, y'all. But instead, Jesus is like cashing nets on the other side. He doesn't even tell them it's him. He just says, hey, do what I tell you to do. And, why, and, and, and the proof is in the pudding. The moment that you do what I tell you to do, you will see that I was who I've always been. The moment we are obedient to him, we are reminded, oh, God, you, are, you always were on my side. You always were faithful. You've always loved me. There was never a second where I, where I should have doubted you. Why? Because you didn't doubt me. Amen? Amen. Woo! Woo! Amen. Mm. I don't even know where to go. We're just going to keep on going. <laughs> I, think, I think, thank you, Granny. I think, in, uh, I think we, we stopped at verse 6. So if you don't mind, will you pull up verse 7? And uh, what is it? John chapter 21. Yes, ma'am. Verse 7, literally, the disciples whom Jesus loved. We good. Hallelujah. <laughs> Verse 7, then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. Well, duh. <laughs> and I love this. John's the one that wrote the gospel, and he makes this nice little, like, the, look, the disciple whom Jesus loved said, it's Peter, or said to Peter, it's the Lord. He could have just been like, somebody said, I told Peter. No, no, no. He's like the disciple that Jesus loved. You know, he's, he's definitely let us know that, you know, hey, Jesus loves me. He told Peter, it's the Lord. And when Peter heard him say that, he quickly wrapped his outer garment around him. And because he was athletic, he dove right into the lake to go to Jesus. Verse 8. <clears throat> And then we'll go to verse 9. The disciples then brought the boat to shore, dragging their catch of fish. They weren't far from land, only about 100 meters. <clears throat> and when they got to shore, they noticed a charcoal fire with some roasted fish and bread. So I love this because in verse 9, literally it was while standing. Watch, so let me say this. They went to shore. They noticed a charcoal fire uh, with some roasted fish and bread. So what's about to happen is they're gathering around the fire. And Jesus, like I said, Jesus is smooth. Somebody say he's smooth. Yeah. 
He is so smooth. Why? Because Peter doesn't realize what's about to happen, but Jesus knows. He's, he's creating the scene because it was around a charcoal fire that Peter denied Jesus three times. And now Peter is around the face of Jesus again, around a charcoal fire where Jesus is about to redeem him three times over. Peter doesn't realize that. That's why I said he's, he's so smooth because we read that and it's like, oh, they, they, they pulled the boat to shore and now they're around the fire. No, they, well, no. Jesus like, hey, remember this? This, this, is, this type of atmosphere is where you messed up. But also it's this type of atmosphere where I can redeem you. It's this type of atmosphere where I can flip it. Anything that the devil does for bad, what the scripture said that God can turn it around for the good. Amen. There's this there's this one song we used to sing growing up, I, and I won't go into it, but literally that was the, you know, uh, uh, God made it fail. I, I heard somebody revamp it, and I heard it online. God made it fail. Everything that the devil tried, God made it fail. God made it fail. And I would laugh at it. But I remember throughout this week, there have been times where stressors will come, and I'd be like, you know what, no, uh God, you've already defeated this. You know, we, we sing, you know, because we are a re- reimagined generation, we sing a little bit different, but we sing it, you know, in words like, you are my champion. So then as I'm working, as I'm getting stressed, I'm like, no, 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 God, you are my champion. Giants fall. And then I even got personal. I would, I would call out certain things like, this thing falls because you stand undefeated. And I'm like, God, because you stand undefeated, I'm in union with you. That means I'm undefeated as well. That means I'm undefeated as well. That means I'm victorious. That means I'm standing on my own two feet, not because of what I've done, but because I'm in union with him. Because you're in union with him. Amen. But literally, literally, it was while standing next to a fire that Peter denied Jesus. And now standing next to Jesus, Jesus would restore his beloved friend. It's moments like that that we're reminded that Jesus is the smoothest. (laughs) He's so good. He's so good. Jesus redeemed and forgave Peter in the same atmosphere that Peter denied Jesus. He literally redeemed and forgave Peter in the same atmosphere that Peter denied Jesus. Sounds like Jesus was restoring Peter's soul and also his mental health as well. When I read that, when I read that, I, I'm like, oh, man, God, like, I mean, because that's that's methodical right there. It's not enough for Jesus to just say, Peter, you're restored. No, no, no. He's creating the atmosphere. He's creating the scene that way that the fire, that campground won't be an emotional trigger every time he comes around fire again. We, we talked about it last year, but, you know, triggers, things that things that cause instant uh, reactions, instant regret, instant uh, grief, instant anger, instant bitter, instant joy triggers. Jesus is not only uh, uh, not only invested in, in redeeming Peter's soul, but he's also, hey, I want to make sure you can be around this type of atmosphere again. I want to make sure you can be around this type of person again. I want to make sure you can walk into work and and not have a complete meltdown. I want to make sure you can walk into the family gatherings and not have a complete meltdown, not have shame overshadow you. I want to make sure you can walk into Walmart and if you're going to run into some person, you're not going to be guilt with shame. Jesus is concerned about your mental health as well. And if he's concerned about it, that means the father's concerned about it. And they're not doing anything apart from the spirit. So guess what? Once again, the Trinity is concerned about not only what you go through, but how you're going to get through it, how you're going to get through it. Amen. Amen. So in verses 10 and 11, <clears throat> verse 10, and 11, then Jesus said, bring some of the fish you just caught. 
So Peter waded into the water and helped pull the net to shore. It was full of many large fish, exactly 153. But even with so many fish, the net was torn. Now I get so excited because this is the word, the word the inner nerd comes out of me. But understand this, before Jesus came, they couldn't catch anything. He tells them to cast the nets on the other side, which obviously it sounds familiar because that's the way that they first encountered Jesus. And Jesus told them like, hey, he reminded them, apart from me, you can't do anything. But this, this, this is where the nerd alert comes out, all right? The scripture says that they caught 153 fish. 100, Lord, help me do this. 153 fish. Listen, in the Sea of Galilee, there is 153 types of fish. And in the Sea of Galilee, in, that, in this particular story, when you look at there is 153 fish total. They caught all of it. Before Jesus came, they couldn't catch a single fish. They couldn't catch a single drop. They couldn't hold water in the net. And once Jesus comes on the scene and gives them one instruction and they obey it, not only do they catch one fish, but they clean out the lake. They clean it out, showing us that, guess what? There's nothing impossible for God. But here's the biggest thing. This miracle was a sign. It was a signal to show them and to show us that when it comes to the redemption of Christ, no one is excluded. Or no one is secluded. Literally, when it comes to the point that he, they, they gathered up 153 types of fish, meaning that Jesus didn't just come to save one type of person. He didn't just come to save one class of person. He didn't just come to save one, one age group, one generation. No, he came to save every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every skin color, every race, every class, every social class. He came to save everybody. Everybody. He came to redeem everybody. It said they cleaned out the lake every 153 fish. It wasn't 153 out of 154. No, no, no. 153 fish. Cleaned it out. Cleaned it out like it was nothing. He stayed on the shore like, hey, hey, cash it on the, on the other side. Watch this, y'all. Watch this. We about to show them. We about to show them what we came to do. Every tribe, every nation, every tongue, Jesus has restored and redeemed. But isn't it funny how the, the devil likes to trick us and make us feel like, you know, well, everything that God's doing still we're not enough for that. Or I mean, look at God. Look at what God's doing in that church, man. We, we, we got to get like them in order to receive what God's doing. No, no, no. You ain't got to get like anything to receive what God's doing. The only thing you really need to get like is you have to get yourself open. You have to get yourself open. That's one of the reasons as we was literally spontaneously worshiping, literally I just felt, make room. Make room. Make room. You know, we have a, we, it, this isn't a problem, it's an opportunity, but, you know, for those that gave to Cohen, thank you. And as I was putting the presents in the, in the playroom, I was like, Lord, where are we going to put all this stuff? I'm like, ah, now I got to find a place. And I'm like, wow, Lord, forgive me. Thank you. Because this is a beautiful opportunity now because there are kids, and I tell this, I tell this story to the boys all the time when they complain. They're like, ah, oh, I don't want to eat, you know, quesadillas. And I'm like, boys, there are kids that don't have quesadillas to eat. They're eating rice and sand, you know. And Kelsey's like, really, sand? I'm like, just go with me. Go with me. You know, drinking muddy water. And you got clear water in a solo cup, you know. Do you, do you want you want to go out there and eat some sand and mud? No. Okay then. Be thankful. <laughs> you know they're like 
oh, I don't want to play with this toy. There are kids. There are kids, Kellen and Keenan, that don't have toys to play with. They're playing with sticks. Get outside. Let's go. Get outside and play with some sticks. I don't want to play with sticks. Okay, then. This is a blessed opportunity you have to play with the same toys over. So as I'm putting the new cones, new toys in, I'm like, wow, God, thank you. Because in real life, there are babies. There are children that don't have what he has. And let's be honest, as long as we're living in America, there are people that do not have what you have. You get in that car and it's going to start up. One thing instantly, people don't have what you have right there. In third world countries or the clothes that you have, you get. Ooh, ooh, hey, all right, Lord. You chose what you wanted to wear this morning. Mm. You're already a step ahead. You woke up with the roof over your head. You're already another step ahead. You woke up with fridge. You had the option to choose if you wanted bacon or turkey bacon. You're already a step ahead. This blessed opportunity that we have. This blessed opportunity. And we take it for granted so much. Why? Because the devil convinces us that we are not enough. He does it through the will of comparison. You know, if you're like me, you may go to the store and you may see somebody that you went to school with. And, you know, in school, you know, we unfortunately we had the tiers of people. You know, we had the classes, we had the, the groups, the social groups and all that. And, and, you know, we all knew the ones that we wanted to fit in and we didn't. And then, you know, fast forward. And I, I wish somebody would have told me this in school, but I heard it five years ago when somebody said uh, um, your life, your life. It's when it comes to uh, your your life what you go through every day, it's, it's nobody else's business, especially the people that you went to school with. It's nobody else's business. I heard one powerful person tell me that, you know, when it comes to the people who went to school with 10 years, 15 years from now, you won't even think of them and they won't even think of you. Won't even think of you. I remember, I remember one time, and I, I can't believe I'm telling this, but I remember one time I used to, my freshman year, I used to get so nervous about this one person that I, that I was going to school with. He was a senior who always bullying me, throwing me in the can, all these different things. And I remember, uh, he ended up graduating, and I never thought about him again. I remember one time I went to a restaurant, and there he was, busting tables. And instantly, this fear rose over me for a minute. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Things are different. Things are different now. First, I was in the flesh. I'm like, I'm going to go up to him. I'm like, hey, man, you remember me? What's up now? Look at me. I'm, I'm taller now. I'm taller. I'm still a little skinny, but I, I, you know. <laughs> What's up, brother? <laughs> I remember as he turned, I saw his face, and instantly the Lord showed me just all the guilt that this dude was ridden with. I was like, oh, man. If you would have asked me years ago when we was in school, if, I, you know, if this would have been this guy's life, I would have told you, no, nah, you know, he was a successful athlete and all this other stuff. And now look at him. He's, it looks like he's guilt-ridden, and who knows what's going on in his life. I'm like, wow. Lord, he needs you. There's people in this town. There's people in this community. There's people in this county that needs Jesus, calling them out from the water, inviting them on to shore, and redeeming them in the midst of every amount of turmoil that they may be experiencing. They need that. They need that. Amen? Here, let me close with this. I want to skip down to verse 15. They cleaned out the lake. Every, all 153 fish that represented all 153 types Cleaned it out. Spoke to how God redeems everyone. No one is short of redemption. No one is short of his love. Amen. Amen. Verse 15. After they had breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you burn with uh, do you burn with love for me more than these? 
Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I have great affection for you. Then take care of my lambs, Jesus said. We'll go to verse 16 and then 17. Oh. Verse 16, Jesus repeated his question the second time. Simon, son of John, do you burn with love for me? Peter answered, yes, my Lord, you know that I have great affection for you. Then Jesus, then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. And then last verse, then Jesus asked him again, Peter, son of John, do you have great affection for me? Peter was saddened. Peter was saddened by being asked the third time and said, my Lord, you know everything. You know that I burn with love for you. Jesus replied, then feed my lambs. And I've heard many ministers teach, you know, all the different breakdowns on this. And I'm not, I'm only going to give you two different breakdowns on this whole passage. But the original Greek translation literally said, when Jesus called out to Peter, he said, Peter, son of Jonah. And I'm, I've never really paid attention to that, but but really, you know, the you know, scholars and theologians and people that really study the word, they, they make an emphasis on that because Peter is referencing or Jesus is referencing Peter to, you know, to man, you have the same you're you've you've come along the same path that Jonah went. Jonah believed in God and decided, you know, what, I, I don't want to do what you've asked me to do and rejected. But later was redeemed. And Peter walked down that same path, walking with God, talking with God, witnessing the miracles, rejected God, but then is about to be redeemed. He's being redeemed. But the one point I want to bring out is this, and we're done. The one point I want to bring out is this, and that is the fact that Jesus asked Peter three different times the same question. You know, I'm pretty sure all the other disciples, they understood it, and maybe some of them didn't, but Peter knew. It was almost like, Jesus and Peter were having that one-on-one conversation. And as he's asking them three times, because literally the verse said by the third time, he was deepening in his heart because he got it. He's like, I know why you asked me a third time. If they can have a side conversation, he's like, I see why you asked me a third time. You realize what I did. And Jesus is like, yeah, I know what you did. And once again, here's another opportunity to be brought back into the family. Here's another opportunity to be reminded, I love you, man. I still love you. And here's the, here's the point. I see you. That's all. I see you. I'm here on the shore as you're out on the water grieving and beating yourself up and kicking yourself in the butt for what you did after every mistake. I'm here in this moment because of what you're facing. I'm here in this moment because you're trying to cope when really I just need you to give every burden to me. But that's why we read Matthew 11, 28 through 30, because literally what Jesus wants, what the Father wants, what the Spirit wants is you to lay every burden on him. Not because God feeds off of it, not because he's a God where he's like, oh, give me the burdens because it makes me feel more powerful. No, no, no. Because he loves you so much that he wants to take the heavy burdens off of you. Have, you. have you ever got ready to walk into a store and you see somebody about to go in and you open the door because you don't want them to have to open the door? You see an older lady can't get something from the top. That's one of my favorite things to do. If I go to a store and somebody's like, hey, brother, can you get? I sure can. I can here, let me help you go to an area that you can't get to. God isn't somebody that's like, oh, let me let me feed off of your your woes. Let me feed off your problems. Let me feed off your tribulation. No, no, no. He's saying, hey, I love you so much. I don't want you to have to endure that. Give it to me. I can take it. Give it to me. I can bear it. <laughs> Give it to me. I am more powerful than it. I'm the champion. I'm the undisputed heavyweight. The winds and waves wait when I say weather wait. Give it to me because I love you. I love you. You are my son. You are my daughter. I love you. 
And literally Jesus is saying, Peter, I see you, man. Because understand this, they had already seen Jesus. So there was no point for him to come back to the shore. Or was there? There was. And Peter was the reason why. Because he knew Peter was still going to be battling regret. And battling the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. We all understand the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. I shoulda did this. Or if I would have had this, I could have done this better. Or if my parents would have been this, I, then I've been that. Or, or if I didn't. He's like, no, 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 man. Don't, don't. Mm-mm. I don't want you to go through that anymore. I'm here. Do you love me? God, yeah, I love you. Feed my sheep. Teach those that are going to come after me. Peter, do you love me? Well, Lord, you know I love you. Okay, well, feed my sheep, man. Peter, do you burn with passion for me? Okay, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. You see me, don't you, God? You see my heart. Yeah, I see your heart. And that's why I'm here. It's it, this feeling that we feel, it's great, but one of the tricks of the enemy is to make us, make us forget this when we walk out those double doors. And out of those double doors, I want you to know that God sees you in your car. He sees you at work. He sees you when the, when the check hits and when the bank account is empty. He sees you when you are in a crowd full of people. He sees you when people are celebrating you and he sees you when people have forgotten about you. He sees you when people, when people, when new babies are born and we get to celebrate that. And he sees us when we have to celebrate the passing of a family member. He sees you when you have everything going on in your life and he sees you when you don't. He sees you and it's not just him. It's the Father, Son and Spirit. It's the whole Trinity. It's the perichoresis fellowship. They see us. They empathize with us and they love us through it. They love us so much that they are concerned with making sure that we we go through them and not through something else. We don't bury ourselves through work. We don't bury ourselves through an app. We don't bury ourselves through things that we try to do on our own. But we bury ourselves in the love of the Father. We're like the son that runs back to his father and says, God, I'm here. Father, I'm here. And the father wraps his loving arms around the son and gives him the robe, gives him the seal of sonship, gives him the fatted calf and throws the party. Why? Because he just loves them unconditionally. That's, that's part of our reality. That's what we have every day, every hour, every minute, every second. That's the promise that God has given us. That we can go to him. We can take our heavy burdens and we can make an exchange. We can make an exchange. I've had a lot of friends in my life. Come and go. I'm pretty sure you have as well. It's a small town. I was, in, I was telling Kelsey's mom yesterday that, you know, me and Trinika, we, we, we go all the way back to daycare together. It's very rare to have a friend like that. But you know what? I don't, I don't care how, how long you've had your oldest friendship. It does not compare to what a friend you have in Jesus. What a friend you have in Jesus. When we were singing that as, as I was a kid, I would get so, uh, I would get, I'm like, ah, we sing this again. What a friend we have in Jesus. And then, I mean, it'd be good, but as a kid, I wanted, you know, you couldn't play drums too. You couldn't clap too. You couldn't all that. I wanted a boom, boom clap. And as an adult, after going through some stuff, I'm like, oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. Lord, not even what a friend we have. Lord, what a friend I have in you. What a friend I have in you. Nobody is more faithful. Nobody's more loving. Nobody's more caring. Nobody holds me more accountable. Nobody's more disciplined than you. 
But also watch this, nobody's more loyal. Nobody's more loyal, church. Nobody's more loyal. You can search all over and you will find nobody, nobody like him. Nobody like him. So therefore, if that's the, if that's the truth, then why do we just partake of that fellowship only on Sunday mornings? Why don't we make the most of it come tomorrow? Why don't we make the most of it come Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? What I, how, Lindsay, how do I make the most of it? When you wake up, God, thank you for your new mercy. What's your plan today? Lord, I got to go to work and this is probably what I'm going to deal with, but I invite you to come with me. Lord, keep me from saying the wrong things, Lord, because you know I'm going to want to say the wrong things. Lord, go before me and create moments of favor. Lord, I, Lord, I'm making room for you today. Come and do what you do best. Let that be your prayer when you get up in the morning. And let it set the day. Let it set the pace of the day. Let it set the rhythm of the day. Well, Lindsay, I'm still going to have to deal with the coworkers. Yeah, you still may have to deal with the coworkers. Or you still may have to deal with the kids, but it's going to be different. You're not going to be dealing with it on your own. You're going to be like Peter after he was redeemed. Because before he was trying to catch fish and couldn't do anything. And then Jesus stepped on the scene. And not only did he catch one fish, he cleaned out the lake. It's time that we allow Jesus to come into our lives and allow us to and help us clean out whatever it is that we need cleaning out our lives. What is it that you've been trying to, to trying to accomplish, trying to trying to trying to finish? Okay, Lord, c- come on, come on. I need you. I can't do this on my own anymore. I need you, Jesus. You see me? Good, good. And I believe all 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 that's been said to say this, he sees you. He sees you, he sees you, he sees you. He sees your extroverted self and he sees your introverted self. He sees beyond the IQ. He sees beyond the clothes. He sees beyond the insecurities all the way down to the subconscious level. And that's why I said he was ministering. When he did that this morning, that's, I knew, I'm like, okay, God, we will go in, yeah, yeah. I knew he was ministering to a subconscious level. Why, because he sees through all that all he sees through all that and that's what he's and that's what he went to change that way that's what he's going to redeem that's what he's coming to wash that's what he's coming to cleanse that's what he's coming to make new that's what he's coming to make new